Hello and welcome back to another service here at the Altar of Noise. My name is Josh and I'm joined as always by my good friend and fellow music believer, Simon. Simon, how are you? Good, Josh. Good. How are you, mate? I'm good. I'm good. And on this special occasion, we are joined by a returning member, Mr. Jim, also known as Robbie Von Blitzkrieg. (laughs) Jim, welcome back, sir. Hey. Well met, fellow travellers. That was, the, that was the goofiest greeting I could come up with. <laughs> Sounded like a true power metal fan. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you, you couldn't make it any more clear that you are a metal nerd. Just a nerd. Thanks I for think. coming dressed in full garb, by the way. Yeah. Mm, <laughs> Viking yeah. horns. This chain mail is getting a bit, um, <laughs> bit chafy, though, so I might have to get a bit naked. I mean, look, whatever works for you. I mean, I'm not going to tell you not to take your clothes off. No. Freedom of choice and all that. Yeah. And expression. For sure. (laughs) So as you can tell, we have brought in our resident fan slash somewhat of an expert uh, (laughs) to talk about uh, some power metal today. Yeah. Yeah. Power metal. Yeah. So we're returning to the Outsiders View, the series that we started last year talking about, what was it? Uh, EDM. Yeah, but then we we kind of scrapped it all at the beginning of this year and said we're starting again. Yeah, we're starting (laughs) again. Uh, And then we listed a whole bunch of uh, genres and power metal wasn't one of the ones that we listed. So we're like, fuck it. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Because that's how we do it most of the time. That's how we roll. Yeah. So we thought we would uh, enlist our good friend Jim because he is a bit of a fan of it. Yeah, and definitely not an expert. I just want to start with that. Like (laughs) about as expert as Rolling Stone. (laughs) god i hope not yeah no (laughs) i hope you know more than that yeah if 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 you don't we're kind of fucked yeah we're we're leaning heavily on you this episode yeah oh oh, this (laughs) okay so how is this episode's going to go today we're going to have uh simon i'm going to give you a bit of a breakdown about the um genre of power metal uh, then we're going to have a bit of a chat with Jim about what it what it's all about, um, how we got into it, all these sorts of things. Um, and, yeah, so kind of I think, Simon, neither of us are really, I mean, me more than you, but we're not really big power metal people, are we? Not at all. Like <laughs> from my side of the fence, not at all, which is what the outsider's view is about. Yep. It's about diving into things we don't know. Mm-hmm. Um I know very, very little of power metal. I know I can name bands and that's yep. it. Um, so, yeah, like going in completely blinded to this one. Yeah, it's a little bit different to the EDM one where we kind of knew a lot about. Yeah, we kind of cheated with that one. Yeah. yeah. But uh, this time, like I have to admit, you know, I've listened to a bit of power metal in my lifetime but hasn't ever been a huge part of what – I listen to. I mean, obviously, the big one that I know is Iron Maiden and love Iron Maiden. But for the most part, I've kind of been like, well, I, I kind of know about it. Yeah. Yeah. So it's going to be interesting. Yeah. I'd say most people know Iron Maiden. It's probably the 
the most easy to digest power metal um, that's out there, probably because it's furthest from being what most would consider true power metal anyway. Yeah. So. Yeah. See, I always consider them the, like that new wave mm-hmm. uh, English metal, or what was it called? New wave British heavy metal. Yeah. But um, I know, like Jim just said, that it's very closely related, which we'll obviously get into. Yep. So uh, let's get into it. Let's dive into the world. Uh, Simon, do you want to give us a breakdown of uh, where it all originated? Sure thing, Josh. Thanks, mate. <laughs> all right. Pow. <laughs> Buddy. Buddy. Um, Chum. So power metal as a term was first used in the mid-1980s and referenced to two different but related styles. First pioneered and largely practiced in North America, contained a harder sound similar to speed metal. Uh, the second but more widespread and popular style was based in Europe and had a lighter, more melodic sound with frequent use of keyboards. The origins, however, can be traced back to the late 1970s with the likes of Rainbow, Deep Purple, Iron Maiden and Judas Priest, all bringing something to the table, forming the groundwork that would become known as power metal. Lyrically, the style was laid down by Ronnie James Dio and the lyrics he wrote for Rainbow. These concentrated around medieval, renaissance, folk and science fiction themes, directly influencing modern power metal bands. Rob Halford of Judas Priest created a blueprint for the vocal delivery that power metal would go on to use. His almost constant high-pitched singing became one of the main characteristics of power metal. Iron Maiden brought the epic and melodic sensibility to metal. This created anthemic sing-along music. It was also around this time that the Swedish guitarist Ingve Malmsteen was making his impact. His fast neoclassical style left a lasting impact on the power metal bands that followed. His bandmate, Jens Johansson, modernized the keyboard sound of Deep Purple's John Lord, which was further incorporated into the genre. Uh, throughout the early 1980s, especially in the years 82 and 83, a US power metal style first emerged. Uh, this drew influence from traditional heavy metal, the new wave of British heavy metal and thrash speed metal influences. Uh, the exact first origin is often contested, but more concretely, in 1987, German band Halloween released their second album, Keeper of the Seven Keys Part One, as cited by All Music as a landmark recording that remains arguably the single most influential power metal album to date. Its volatile combination of power and melody would inspire an entire generation of metal bands. This release influenced a European power metal style to evolve, which uh, proliferated throughout the globe and since the start of the 1990s is still the most commonly heard style of power metal. Also, the songs Stargazer and A Light in the Black from the 1976 album Rising, as well as Kill the King and Lady of the Lake from the 1978 album Long Live Rock and Roll, might be among the earliest examples of power metal. So there we have kind of a more so uh, an influence and starting point for Mm. power metal. Yeah. I mean, some some names there that you recognise like... uh Ronnie James Dio, uh, Judas Priest, Iron Maiden, uh, Deep Purple, all bands that we're all somewhat familiar with or, and people that we're somewhat familiar with. Mm. Um, and I think it kind of caught me off guard because I never re- I've never really thought of Judas Priest in that 
sense of having much to do with power metal. I was always just sort of this is just a straight heavy metal act because yeah. always considered in the same vein as your Metallicas and whatnot. Yeah. So for them to draw to say that you know Rob Halford and his amazing vocals are part of the pioneering. That's a yeah. that's a fair point. Yeah, and he he loved a bit of studded leather too. Did, yeah. old, did old Rob Halford, so. Definitely had some style. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, um, A-style. <laughs> um, I watched a little mini doco on power metal through, I believe it's Louder, and they were interviewing one of the guys from Iced Earth and he mentioned Iron Maiden and Judas Priest and he was like, now that I'm saying it out loud, I would never call them power metal, but he's like, them two influenced us the most and probably influenced a lot of the power metal bands the most. So I guess it's just that thing of where that was the cool in thing and they took an aspect or two of it, brought it to, you know, the table of what they were doing and, you know, that's how they they forged this new this one, new style. One that I heard of was um, actually some guy on, on a similar doco, he, he mentioned that Black Sabbath song The Wizard oh, yeah. as being like a bit of a – Bit of a style influence, I guess. Yeah. Um, because it was a bit of a departure from their more like occult kind of themes and, and political and war sort of themes um, to something a little bit fantasy and fantastic. So, yeah. yeah, I mean, that was put in there along with a few Led Zeppelin songs as well. Um, yeah, I can see Led Zeppelin. Yeah, like Led Zeppelin, um, several of their tracks are based around fantasy, like Lord of mm. the Rings. Silmarillion. Um, so, yeah, it. I guess that those bands almost kind of made it okay to sing about nerdy stuff. Yeah, yeah. You know? That makes sense. Almost made it cool to sing about the nerdy stuff. <laughs> Definitely made it cool. <laughs> <laughs> so moving on, talking uh, a bit more about the characteristics around music uh, of uh, the power metal. Um Going to give you guys a bit of a breakdown about what is involved in it. So power metal today is associated with fast tempos and melodic harmonies, um, the sound tempered by characteristics of speed metal, power metal's musical forerunner. Uh, I would also say some dueling guitars as well would be some of the key characteristics. Talking a bit about the vocals, power metal is uh, highly focused on the vocalist with nice clean vocals for the most part. Um People like Ronnie James Dio, uh, Rob Halford, Bruce Dickinson, Jeff Tate, people of that nature, you generally think when you hear them you hear a slightly higher uh, pitch, generally in a tenor range, um, and it's of a higher register. There are still some uh, artists out there that uh, sing slightly lower um, or in a harsh style, people like uh, Chris Bothendell of Gravedigger, um, the singer of Gamma Ray and Rage. Um, they all generally use a slightly harsher tone, but the, for the most part when we think of power metal, the vocals are generally always nice and clean and slightly, I don't want to say shrill because that's kind of mean, but you kind of get what I'm saying. Instrumentation-wise, we're looking at uh, guitarists and basses playing rapid, heavy, uh, rapid streams of notes that chord, change chords comparatively slowly with a harmonic tempo of once per measure or slower. They generally have fast and technically demanding guitar solos um, that are 
you know, somewhat Jim's giving the thumbs up for them. He he rates them. Um, sometimes they feel like they're going for 13 minutes, but, hey, that's their choice. Um, but it is kind of a very much a different nature to that of thrash metal, which is much more about the fast, rapid core changes. This one's a bit more of a journey in their music. Drummers will generally use double bass patterns, using them to play a constant stream of 16th notes or semi-quavers for you nerds out there, with snare drums accenting on the beat. The drummer of uh, Halloween, whose name is Ingo, and I'm not going to attempt his last name because it's uh, Schwichtenberg, would be my best guess, uh, setting a blueprint for many uh, blueprint for many drummers to follow. Uh, drummers of Blind uh, Guardian and Ice Earth use more of a thrash metal style. Again, one of the other big things they use instrumentation-wise is um, keyboards, and we talked a little bit about before about Jens Johans, Johansson. Um, and I think when we've seen a lot of power metal, they generally will use a lot of keyboards to kind of create this um, light airiness to their kind of serious nature of their sound. So definitely expect a lot of keys. Lyrically, this is where power metal becomes a little bit more interesting, um, in my opinion. Uh, they Power metal's lyrics often focus on fantasy and mythology, um, camaraderie and hope, personal struggles and emotions, war and death, uh, or combinations of all of that. Blind Guardian uses a lot of songs based around fantasy, mythology, and science fiction. We have live shows that are often around fantasy decorations. One of the other things that uh, power metal bands will do will do create concept albums on fantasy books. Um, Blind Guardians was uh, uh, based on uh, Tolkien's Silmarillion, uh, Camelot-based Epica on the Black Holo uh, of Goth's Frost. And, yeah, generally more often than not there will be some form of uh, – I think Lord of the Rings makes a fair amount of appearances. Uh, bands like Sabaton, who we have mentioned before, uh, they talk a lot about uh, historical themes and war, such as World War One, Two, Vikings, Samurais. Um, yeah, definitely have a heavy, uh, heavy influence in a lot of these bands as well. You said a word before journey, and I think that was very apt with regards to power metal. Like you say, like a lot of albums are concept albums. They take you through either a, you know, um, a full story amongst the length of the album or, um, you know, in Halloween's case or, or, or other bands' case across multiple albums. If I want to paraphrase uh, one of the members of Nightwish, and I can't remember which one um, said it, but he based the music he writes um, around the idea of a movie soundtrack. Um, that's what he listens to primarily in his spare time. And so that influences that sound. And, you know, if we think of story as a journey, then, you know, all of that fits together. So, yeah, I would say concept album is huge, um, particularly with more of the power metal bands I listen to, you know, Sabaton being one of the more recent ones I've gotten into. Um, so I can, yeah. And they uh, gave you a hell of a show at a good thing. They did, and I wanted to say that yeah, the staging um, in particular for power metal bands is very epic by and large. You know, as soon as they've got any form of budget behind them, um, yeah, they, they spare no expense, 
I would say in that regard. It's very theatrical. I mean, seeing uh, Iron Maiden uh, a few years back at uh, Soundwave, the I mean, that's just a running festival, but they still managed to get their living, walking mascot, Eddie, to appear on the stage and have a battle with one of the guitarists. As is tradition. Uh, I think that's always happening in the song Hallowed Be Thy Name, I want to say. Sorry for you Iron Maiden nerds. I, you know, I've, I've <laughs> dropped the ball on that a little bit if I got that wrong, so sorry in advance. So I think one of the things I enjoy about um, musically about power metal is the I can kind of get behind the nice clean vocals. I'm not a huge fan and I've kind of talked a bit about it in the past of like the death metal, big squealing, growling type of music and singing because just doesn't do it for me. I like to be able to hear what they're talking about and I think that generally that's one of the things that I actually quite enjoy about power metal. You know, I want to be able to sing along to, you know, run to the hills or uh, all the only power metal songs I know or Iron Maiden based, but <laughs> it's still easy to sing along with Bruce. Absolutely. Um, and that was one of the things I noticed particularly with Sabaton. It was when we saw them live last year. The guys on stage were just having the best time, like grinning ear to ear and really lapping up the crowd singing along. Um, and they could probably hear the crowd singing along because, you know, that festival was so damn quiet. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, the the subject matter is often seen as quite cheesy, but the thing that really makes a power band special is when they fully commit to that cheese and they take their content seriously, but you can tell they're having fun with it. Um, so, yeah, power metal is not for the lactose intolerant. <laughs> I mean, one thing I noticed with the playlist you sent me, um, and this might not be the case for all power metal bands, but what I noticed was like the mixing and production in the – the the genre is the opposite of what I try to achieve in our band or like what I like in that mm. the vocals are way out front. Drums are really loud. Like it's very <laughs> – like it's a proper driving force in most of the songs. Um, and the guitars are very clear sounding and clean sounding. Is that the case for, for most – Power metal bands? I don't want to speak I mean, for all power metal bands. Yeah, that I, know, would... I know there's going to be differences, but like just as a rule, that it just kind of I noticed it for yeah, I would say like a running theme through it. Yeah, yeah, I would say it's it's a nice balance, really. Like uh, when when this when the song calls for bass, it it can get bassy and heavy, but um, yeah, for the most part, I would say lots of mids, lots of trebles. Yeah, and like you say, very melody forward. Yeah, rather than rhythm forward. Yeah, I mean, you're they're obviously trying to showcase different aspects of the band than what you know. Uh, I don't know a prog band, for instance, they're trying to showcase. So it obviously makes sense. Like every genre has a way it's mixed and sounds. There's no chug. Yeah, it's it's very it's very driving. Like yeah, yeah, it it's. A sense of you're listening to it and, again, outsider's take on it, you're kind of listening to it and it's like, 
yeah, I kind of kind of want to go do something. It kind of gives it's got that driving purpose behind it. And like I could see like when it's on, I'm like, I feel like I'm gonna be more productive because I've got more of a drive behind me. This is great. You know, some would say I should have it on more often, but So yeah, Blind Guardian refer to themselves as bards. You know, the, the musical storytellers of, of yesteryear. Um I, I kind of get the sense, you know, sometimes it feels like you should be listening to them here, sat in a tavern, you know, with a with a mug of ale, you know. <laughs> it does it does kind of have like it doesn't sound like it, but it does have that kind of feeling of like the Irish singer in a pub where like and that's where we mentioned before that a lot of the songs are very anthemic and very yeah. sing alongable that you know I think in um doing a little bit of research before it like they talk a little bit that in the 2000s, that's when a lot uh, uh, they started to find that a lot more songs were a lot more folk music driven. That's not necessarily a bad thing because that's something where you get, you know, folk music generally takes uh, it's generally of a storytelling nature, um, that type of music. So I think that's where you start to get a little bit more of that whimsical nature. Around it as well. Brings the nerd in. Yeah. Um, and I think I'm pretty sure the guys from Blind Guardian can play, you know, those old style instruments like lutes and uh, whatever else they played in the Middle Ages. I got no idea. <laughs> lutes, flutes. Lutes, thing, and, lutes and flutes. Other things that rhyme with those too. <laughs> it's good for their glutes. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I think that's, um, you know, to me, there's lots of things I quite enjoy about the sound of power metal. Like um, uh, I do, I like it a little bit more bassy just for the sound because I do find that sometimes it's a little bit too, it does miss, whilst it's quite powerful music, it kind of misses that backbone behind it, which is a little bit more bass. Yeah, a little bit more body behind it. Um, It's a very narrow sound. I yeah. don't mean that in like, yeah, just I mean that in a, yeah, I mean that in a soundscape way. Like there's there's lots of layers to it still. But, yeah, it's like if you compare it to, fuck, I don't know, like a Radiohead, for instance, there just seems to be more depth to it. <laughs> um, yeah, but I get, I, yeah, I get what you mean. Um, but, you know, I love the clean vocals, good guitar work. The drumming's always great, even as we were driving along today. I mentioned before Austin's taking up drumming, so he's really listening to different drummers now. And one of the, I think it might have been Metal is Forever by Primal Fear, which was one of the first ones I put on. Uh, he was just like, I like the drumming in this. Like, good, good. Maybe you can take this up. You know, you can start to become a real musician or something like that. So, yeah, so, the, yeah, lots to enjoy about it. So I guess just to kind of give people breakdown we were talking a little bit beforehand about some of the key bands or forefathers around i think we simon kind of mentioned it in the uh in the origins um talked a little bit about rainbow uh with uh, ron james dio i think some of the key bands that when we were looking through this were obviously halloween was a big one uh blind guardian they feature quite predominantly uh, Iced Earth, which is kind of an interesting one because there are some people that don't really rate 
iSurf as iSurf as a power metal band. Yeah, not hugely I wouldn't say not traditional power metal. Like they're they're almost like and I mean this in the best possible way, but they're almost like if Iron Maiden is Michael Schumacher, then then Iced Earth is his brother Ralph. Still very accomplished, but nowhere near as good. But is this is this <laughs> <laughs> I love that you managed to get an F1 reference into this show. Well done. Well it, done. Is, <laughs> is this the that difference that I was speaking about in the origin though? The American version of power metal versus the European version because the European version is the more probably commercially successful and more widely known. Like when I think of power metal, I think of like Halloween and fucking like that kind of stuff. Man war. So is this, is this just that American thing where it's a bit more thrashy, a bit more speedy? It could be. I think, you know, with, if you look at the two big, big metal bands that everyone knows from the 80s, you, you're talking Metallica and Iron Maiden, and Metallica had that American market. Yeah. You know, and it wasn't power metal by any means, but it was it was a style of metal that they were pulling forward, right, in the same way that the Iron Maiden was pulling yeah. power metal and influencing that style in Europe. Um, Iced Earth trying to do the Euro style of – British heavy metal in America maybe weren't penetrating as much as Metallica and Megadeth at that time, you know. Yeah. That's just my pretty yeah. basic understanding of what was going on in the 80s. Yeah. I might be wrong, but that's that's how I perceive it, I guess. Yeah. And then, yeah, we like I said, we got Man of War. So, Simon, you're kind of mentioning something interesting about the contention about where this all stemmed from. Yeah, in that little doco I watched, there were two names come up as like the first power metal in the in this kind of traditional sense. And the two names were Manowar and um, Halloween. And I think it's Ross the Boss. I think that's his name from Manowar. It was like, I'm pretty sure we done it first, but then when Halloween released um, Keeper of the Keys part one, Part one. Keeper of the seven keys. I forgot the other six. Um, <laughs> uh, but when Halloween released that, that was when um, that was the first, like that was the first to bring in every influence together because they brought in, like Jim mentioned off air, they brought in the speed element of it while Mano Wall was still more a rocky version of power metal, almost power me- power rock. Yeah, Man of War, uh, they definitely did the costume element of power metal. Oh, they, they very much did. Yeah, Man of War rocked the costumes. I think they, and, and I, I don't know Man of War very much. I never really got into them. Um, but they, they were full on like animal skins and, and crossed leathers over the chest kind of style. Yeah, either, either bare chested or yeah, yeah, some form of like leather or chain across the chest. Yeah, like you know what you'd think of a barbarian warrior. Yeah, from you know, yeah, like three thousand years ago, <laughs> like one of those like medieval gods games you'd play on the PC in like ninety eight. <laughs> 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 they look like one of those characters. Long hair. Yeah, 
I think in the in the late nineties there was a couple of PC games based around metal bands. I reckon there was uh, an Iron Maiden one where you had to hunt Eddie. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> They're if, the perfect the perfect bands to base them on. Yeah, and I reckon my one of my mates at the time, I reckon he had a demo version that came with like a special edition re release of one of their albums. <laughs> oh, <geez. laughs> I mean, well, yeah, why not? It might be something like that, and it's you know memory's pretty hazy um, from from back in early high school, but yeah. Yeah. So where where do you stand on that? Do you think it's Halloween? Is that what you would kind of stake your claim on? Yeah, like yeah, Halloween for me is the first real power metal band. As if you want to yeah define a genre with everything we've defined. Yeah, this is and everything earlier than that that we've talked about would. Would be an influence yep. for that European power metal movement. Yeah. That said, even as a power metal fan, Halloween I can take or leave. Yeah. 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 Couple of couple of cool songs. I mean, um, a lot of people are like that with Black Sabbath and they love fucking metal. True. And true. they're just like, you know, they're fine. They've they've got a song or two I can I like. I'd listen yeah, I mean I'd listen to Black Sabbath over Halloween. Yeah. I mean. Yes. Of course you do, of course you do, right? Yes. <laughs> but I'm sure there's some Halloween fans out there that would disagree. Oh yeah, for sure. For sure. Don't want to isolate, you know, isolate our power metal audience out there. <laughs> Poor Danny. Poor Danny. <laughs> Sitting in his bedroom with his Mano War <laughs> fur pants on. <laughs> That's what I'm wearing. <laughs> I mean his his brother basically plays in a power metal band. There you go. There's something like Skyhammer, I think is the name of it. Makes sense. Sounds like a power metal <laughs> band name. Um, I'm sorry, Danny, if I got that wrong. Right. So that's the history. That's the characteristic of it. Mm-hmm. That's kind of a brief description of like where we think it originated from. So let's now talk to our fan. <laughs> The one fan we could find. <laughs> the one <laughs> in <power>. Australia. <laughs> the, the others had a D and D thing going on, so they couldn't come on down. <laughs> Sorry to take Jim from you. <laughs> Just really funny. He's like Jim's not a D and D guy. I've never played D and D. I have. I'm fucking shit at it. <laughs> so Jim, let's ask you a few questions, mate. So. We've talked about this amazing genre and all its history and all that. How did you actually get into it? All right. So growing up, I was always around music like Deep Purple, Led Zeppelin. Um, Those are the sort of bands that I gravitated to because that's what dad had on. Whenever mum left the house, it was was heavy rock time, you know. Um, So Black Sabbath and, and UFO and Deep Purple and... And those bands were my formative music influence, right? So I never got into the top music of the time, you know. I think someone teased me for not liking Savage Garden or something. Yeah, that was me, sorry. (laughs) (laughs) I'm talking about in primary school and I've never quite recovered. (laughs) Uh, What can I say? Still seeking affirmation. (laughs) Yeah. Ah. When I was finally given... A CD player of my own, uh, you know, whenever that was, when I was a teenager. 
a very young teenager, I went out and bought my first CD, which was that that Limp Biscuit album. Was it? Uh, chocolate dog. Uh, chocolate. Chocolate starfish. starfish in the hot dog way flow of water. What a fucking album. Mm. Yeah, well, I put it on and I listened to probably like three songs. I'm like, fuck, I hate this. This is the worst <laughs> thing ever. I bought it because that's what the heavy music that other people were listening to. And so I took it back. I actually went back to Sanity with my receipt and um, said, no, I don't like this. I'm, I want to change it for something else. So I changed it for Iron Maiden's um, Live After Death live album. Great, great choice there. Exactly. So this was... This was a live album from the 1985 tour, World Slavery Tour, um, to tour their Power Slave album. Um, and that was like, man, this like soaring vocals and fast dueling guitars and, and you know, driving drums and bass, this is what, I, this is what I'm into. Um, so that's, that's where it started, you know. Um, and then since then it's been a mixture and a journey of metal that, you know, power metal has come and gone really in, in my musical taste journey, but it's something I'm pretty focused on at the moment. So, yeah. So kind of a follow-up, like do you think obviously your dad had a fair old influence on it because, and I have great memory of your dad and Richie Blackmore. Do you want to, re- do you want to regale that story? Because it's fucking hilarious. I don't. I don't know if I want to slander my father on a podcast, but what the R- hell? R- Rich care. <laughs> what the hell? Does he listen? Is he the one who listens? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Is he our one fan? Yeah. No, that's me on his account. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. Okay, so I was came home late one night. I think after work or something, and Mum was away. Um, so I walk in the front door, and Dad's. It's about one in the morning, and Dad's sitting on the floor. Um with a deep purple DVD playing. It's a, like a live thing. And I reckon it was a birthday present from, from me. And I look over to the kitchen table and there's like an empty bottle of scotch and probably at least half a dozen, if not more, stubbies around. So he's, he's had a session. Um, by himself. Um, Proper dad nobody, session, nobody knows how full the scotch bottle was when he started, but... He was pretty pissed. Let's go for full. (laughs) And in the space of a five-minute conversation, he told me that he was watching the Deep Purple DVD and Richie Blackmore, he's fantastic, um, while making like air guitar and sounds. (laughs) It was the best night of my life. Fuck, I love that story about your dad. It just gets me every time. I've I've only met your dad once a couple of weeks ago. I, I cannot picture him doing that. Oh, so, <laughs> and that that makes me like him more. What, what I love about it as well is because, like, Rich was, like, an audio engineer. He liked, he liked having good sound yeah. in his house. And so the house had really, really good sound quality. Yeah, back when everyone, like, had when sound people systems, tried to. Yeah, yeah. And blasting, blasting. Yeah. Dad had, like, he had the full 5.1 sound um setup going and it yeah. was it was the DVD was presented in 5.1. Yeah. Um and he had the full sub, the rear speakers, the front speakers, the windows were shaking. Like fuck yeah. It, it, fuck uh, yeah. Cuz he's he's <laughs> he's hard of he's hard of sight. He's not really hard of hearing really. He is now. But <laughs> you know if if my mum happened to be in a metal, he'd be deaf by now, I'm sure. <laughs> um but <laughs> 
But he was sat on a beanbag about two feet from the TV. On the I wonder floor. if <laughs> and so because he's because he can't see very well, <laughs> and he, he'd obviously taken his contact lenses out for the night or whatever. Um, and you know this is in two thousand and three, two thousand four maybe. Mm. Um, and he's sitting. We had a pretty big TV for the time, thirty two inch TV. Mm. Well, blow my mind. Yeah. Um, and yeah, like he was squinting at it. From like two feet away. It was the funniest thing because he was obviously, he was trying to focus being drunk as well. Uh, He denies it to this day. I wasn't drunk. Don't be silly. What I find interesting is um, you've picked it up from your old man. Us two found our own way musically. Yeah. And and you've, you've continued along the bloodline essentially. Yeah. Well, you know. Dad sold all of his vinyl Ooh. back when vinyl wasn't cool anymore. So did my mum. And he had like heaps of Black Sabbath and Beatles and my, yeah. Zeppelin and, all, you know, and, and heaps of crap too. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Everyone's got crap. <laughs> but but he, he would have had about four or 500 vinyl records. Like he went every week after payday, he would go and buy one or two um, records from, the, yeah. from disco records and tapes in Mount yeah. Gambia. Leading edge. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that still before gets before it was leading edge, you oh, know. Before, yeah, 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 that that still gets a mention a few times on this. Yeah. <laughs> that was my place to go. Yeah, of course. Yeah, Sanity. I'd go. To, I'd go to Sanity because of um, it was closer to school, and then if they didn't have what I want, straight up leading edge. Uh, yeah, I remember randomly buying a Napalm Death CD, mm. <laughs> <laughs> having no like Napalm Death sounds cool. I'll just buy it, you know, yeah. on a whim. It was awful. I hated it. I don't yeah. like grindcore. <laughs> yeah. I go on the days of like spending 30 bucks on a CD, hoping it's good, and then finding out two, three songs in that you just fucking hate it. And you're just yeah. like, oh, no. <laughs> Didn't keep my receipt. <laughs> yeah. I've got a couple of them in my, my storage boxes. So obviously your dad had an impact finding this power metal styling obviously had an impact on you. Do you reckon it uh, affected your taste on music? Did it make you more reluctant to search for new things or did it open your mind to new avenues? I'm very open to new music, but if I like something, I obsess. Like when I started listening to Sabaton properly last year, it was like all I had on for three months. (laughs) It's absurd. And like I'm sure it drives Georgia crazy, but I – yeah, um, it was the same when I rediscovered Winter Sun 10 years after I'd first heard them and any band that I really properly get into, I, yeah, listen to everything and, and then quickly identify my favourite sort of period from that band and we'll smash that, those few albums or that live album or whatever. Um, you know, if an example of that is um, the death metal band At The Gates. I don't really listen to the recorded albums, but they have their reunion tour um, in, I think, 2012 at the Vakken Open Air. Great set. Listen to that regularly. But I don't listen to their recorded albums. So it's just like I have these weird, like, I get comfortable with that and then I just listen to that. I think that I think that's an interesting point about that because I feel, like, concept albums aside, I feel like power metal is best experienced live like it's 
can be such a visceral thing as well, like a, vi- a visual thing. You have to see it to kind of understand the passion involved. Whereas sometimes I feel like from things I've listened to in the past, it doesn't necessarily come off, uh, come through as clearly in a recorded uh, setting. Yeah. So remember at Big Day Out when they had Ramstein and Tool one yeah. after the other? Yeah. And how Tool felt like this big come down after this highly energetic Ramstein show. Yeah. In a live sense, power metal is much closer to Ramstein. You know, it's mm. it's all about the energy and the power and and uh, the theatrics of it. Yeah. Um. And you know, to to go back to the Sabaton show from last year, those guys, they take what they do really seriously, but. You know they they know it's they know it's hammy, right? Yeah. They 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 embrace it and they do it. They're in on the joke. Yeah. No, they're not that it's a joke. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's right. They like they know they're making a particular product, and that product has immense appeal. Whatever you guys might say, it does. <laughs> and they they love it. You can tell that like, the guys from Sabaton when they're playing up there, they're having the best time, um, and, and that really comes through in in the delivery. I think it kind of has to with power metal because, like you said, it is a – I don't want to use the word corny, but, like, it, it's a – it's something that is easy to make fun of. So to do it properly, they need to – got to commit. Yeah, they need to commit to it. They need to take it seriously. But you also can't take yourself seriously, mm-hmm. which seems like Sabaton – is that's exactly what you're explaining with Sabaton is that they're they're really committing to what they're doing. They're having fun. Like they know they know that mm. me walking a hundred meters away, walking past, going <laughs> like that, they're like, Yeah, we get it. But mm. there's a they're, couple of thousand so, people so, right here who fucking love it. Self aware. Yeah. It's it's all it is. Yeah. It's it's that nod to the camera. You know, in, in yeah. Deadpool, you know, yeah. when he addresses the fourth wall. Yeah. You know, it's it's that. It's yeah, self-aware. Yeah. Oh yeah, we're corny and we love it. Yeah. What was it that drew you to it? Because you said obviously you went out and bought Limp Biscuits hot dog flavored water, which fucking, was fucking great album. The biggest album. Well, I um, think it was fairly controversial and as well uh, and, that album. Like it was quite yeah. explicit. And, and like I'm not, I'm not. I mean, because there's a lot of people who don't like Limp Biscuits, so I'm not, yeah. I'm not asking you to compare it to Limp Biscuit, but. Like obviously Iron Maiden, we can say was your first love into mm. the, you know the thing you've kind of discovered. So what was it that drew you to to power metal? I think um, you know to go back to it. I think that growing up, being true to what I actually liked, as opposed to what was popular, um, meant that I had the guts in myself to take that really popular album back because I didn't like it. And, you know, in the context of some kid who's in year eight, that's that's a big deal. Yeah. You know, most kids are probably going to pretend to like it yeah. and suffer through if they really don't. Mm. Um, but if people, you know, if, if people or my peers asked me what music I was into, I would straight up say metal. Oh, yeah, like Limp Bizkit. I say, nah, I fucking hate them. Yeah. And that would really shock people because they're like, what do you mean? Like everyone likes Limp Bizkit. Yeah. So I think having the guts to actually explore the the thing that I truly liked mm. and not be ashamed about it. Yeah. Um. Yeah, just 
just led me to go, okay, I got to find something that's similar to that that I can get into. Yeah. But most of my power metal journey has been in the last few years, really, mm. because after after Iron Maiden, Metallica, it really went down that system of down, Slipknot, Children of Bodom, that really more heavy death metal path. Yeah. And I got it, got really into Slayer for a while, which I regret. Don't understand because <laughs> I really can't stand them now. I can't stand Slayer. So oh it's it's more the fact that like. You, you like Iron Maiden and it was kind of like I can see the similarities here mm-hmm. and all right, so now I'm going to add yeah. fucking whoever it is to the list of things I like. I think, you know, this was this was sort of when the internet was finally reaching Mount Gambier um, <laughs> and we, we finally got the internet at home. I was going, you look up on your favourite search engine, which at the time, you know, Alta Vista. I don't know. <laughs> Ask Jeeves. Ask Jeeves, <laughs> Yahoo search. It was like what bands are similar to Iron Maiden. Yeah. And, you get and so list. I found, you know, Iced Earth on that list. So I went out and bought the Iced Earth album. They're like, okay, yeah, that's kind of cool. It's, it's fine. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, it just grew from there. Mm. And I think I reckon I was in year 10 and I went to Sydney with Josh and – that was where they had a JB Hi-Fi. Mm. Yeah. Was it year 12? Oh, yeah, because we could drive. Yeah, that's right. We were driving. JB Hi-Fi was a thing by then. And, you know, the, the array of metal that yeah. you could have access to, like, and it was, it was split into genres for you. Yeah. And I'm like, man, I can go and pick some death metal and some power metal and, you know, whatever. Yeah. I, so what I remember about that was because it was around the same time that you and I had started doing that radio show. Uh, which we well, hang on, you had a podcast before me. Yeah, we had this metal show, uh, PMS, pure metal show, because we were dumb young, yeah, we were all, all hilarious seventeen-year-olds uh, at the time. And I remember when we were in the JB Hi-Fi, we were talking to one of the sales guys there, and he gave us a bunch of Nightwish CDs. Oh yeah, and like we we had never really heard. I had never heard of Nightwish, and for some, it is a guilty. Jim just said it's a guilty pleasure. It's totally a guilty pleasure. I love Nightwish. Um, Meg loves Nightwish. She reckons it's fucking great. And so we got them. And then I remember going uh, back to the radio station and playing. I think because well, we think we mentioned that we were. Yeah, it was a single. I think it was Nemo. Um. And we could give them away on the radio show. And I think the only person who won them was Rose. Uh, I think a couple of my mates from my first high school that listened in on the show. Um, yeah. It was like ring up and you get a free DVD. The only catch is you got to come down to the station to pick yeah. it up. And it was stupid. It was a DVD with like one or two music clips on it. It was kind of dumb really, but. But it was good. It was, I mean, a great song. Yeah, absolutely awesome song. Yeah, and you know, all four of our listeners would have uh, been able to experience that. I have grown my audience from four to six. This is uh, from, yeah, basically. <laughs> it's great. No, I love it. Um, I do want to. It's funny. I was talking a bit about power metal and everything today, 
um, with Meg because we were driving around, we were listening to the playlist. And she goes, I get why Jim likes this. And I go, why is that? She goes, well, he's a bit of an old soul. Like he likes old BMWs. He likes, you know, nerdy things, likes old music, music that's stuck in the 80s. You know, I understand why he likes it. Yeah, I have an era. Yeah. And it's pre-2000. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of that, like, do you think, in a sense, having listened to the the genre for a while now and having kind of heard it from, you know, whether it's been you discovering it in the 2000s but you're listening to that uh, stuff in the 80s, do you think the genre has evolved at all or do you think it's kind of hit a plateau? Where do you think it stands as it is today? I think that the classic bands like the Blind Guardian and your your um, Halloween style bands, they're going to keep doing what they're doing. Um, but, you know, if you have a couple of the new newer bands come in, like Sabaton are a, are a newer band. I think they started in the mid-2000s-ish. You probably Google that, but... You know, they've really risen to prominent providence in the last sort of 10 to 15 years. Um, the other one as well, which I think really is an extension of power metal, and I still consider it power metal for sure, is Dragon Force. And the video game Guitar Hero actually bringing that style of music, that speed power metal, you know, into the mainstream, I would say. So, yeah, the evolution has gone into more of that speed highly technical metal. And it's not to say it's like math metal or anything like that, but it's, you know, it, it it's power metal on speed. <laughs> I know Herman Lee, the guitarist for Dragon Force, um, I'm, th- I'm fairly certain he's got a Twitch channel. Yeah. 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 Which would be amazing to watch, but at the same time I wouldn't, wouldn't enjoy it because I, I just don't like Dragon Force. I mean, it's it's super super cheesy, in my opinion. Yeah, like I said, it, they've taken every element of power metal and put it on speed, and that includes the cheese. Yeah, um, I love it. <laughs> I embrace it wholeheartedly, and I used to like. It used to make me cringe. I was like, man, I just can't. Like, it's almost like the spinal tap of power metal, right? <laughs> <laughs> but now I'm just like, no, nah, they've they're. They're fully committed to this, and like I said, like we were saying before, if they're fully commit, take it seriously, but have fun doing it. That's that's all you need. That's the recipe. Um, I've I've watched some vods of Herman Lee's Twitch channel, um, and it's mostly him reacting to fans playing a few of their songs, like Through the Fire and Flames or Fury of the Storm, or you know the, the big songs. Um, There's another song other than Through the Fire and the Flames. Yeah, would you believe there's a lot? <laughs> um, so, and 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 he actually said something on one of those streams where he reacted to a fan playing through the fire and the flames and like played it perfectly. It was insane how good this this girl was that she was playing it. Um, and he said like, "This is the best cover I've ever heard because even though she hit it note for note, she added her own expression." And her own tone to the song, and it was that is what brought it above all of the other covers that he's had to sit through, which is a lot. You know, there's a lot of guitarists out there that can play that song now, um, even though technically 
when it was released, everyone was like, what the hell? Like, how do they even play that? That can't be real. That's sped up. It's not. Right. Now that we've had this lovely discourse, Jim, is there one particular artist who you would say, yeah, this, this is my jam? Yeah, so at the moment, no, no surprise for guessing, is Sabaton. Still binging them a lot, but feel a new binge coming on. Ooh. And I think it's going to be Stradivarius. So Stradivarius, uh, so that's Jens Johansson who we were talking about before, the keys guy. He was in Stradivarius, wasn't he? How do you not know this? Because I can only feel the binge coming on. And I'm actually, <laughs> I don't. <laughs> I, can only, I can only feel the binge. Like, yeah, I, I've I've listened to like a couple of these guys' songs and I feel like having listened to a couple of their songs, I'm going to get into them in a big way. But it doesn't matter who I listen to. I very rarely learn band member names. Yeah, I'm the same. I generally, I generally can't remember people's names. It's like the guitar guy, you know, the singer, the drummer. Oh, oh the, the guy with the hair and the face and whatnot. Yeah, and the spandex. Ah, uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I just looked it up. Yes, Jens Johansson is in uh, Stradivarius. Cool. The more you know. The more you know. <laughs> so why do you think Stradivarius is going to make an appearance? Well, a little, a little preview, if you will, to the, the top ten list. Um, and the top ten list is is not exhaustive. It's it's a uh, what I what I'm jamming at the moment. Um, the Stradivarius song uh, "Hunting High and Low" actually made it to my top ten because I just I've only just just got into it recently, and I fucking love it. It's just a cool song. Cool. That's, sounds good. Cool. Anything you'd like to add there, Simon? No, not particularly. <laughs> not particularly. I'm enjoying. I'm yeah. enjoying listening. You're enjoying the discourse. Yeah, I mean, I'm here to learn. Good. Have you learned much tonight? Yeah, I learned words. <laughs> <laughs> we've used discourse the most out of <laughs> the last three years we've been doing this. That's a thing. That's a thing. That's a good word. No, I, 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 I have learned. I have learned. I didn't realize how much like. Speed metal and thrash metal was a part of it. Mm. I thought like that was an just an option, an <laughs> optionary element. <laughs> I didn't realize that every band was like, no, no, you need double kicks. I mean, they do it well. So. Yeah. yeah, I haven't. I stopped playing kicks for about ten years, so I absolutely suck at it now. <laughs> so yeah, good job, solid B minus. Well then, as Jim mentioned, mm. uh, a cheeky little. Top 10 of songs that he is jamming at the moment. Uh, obviously, power metal related. Can't just be some other random song. Yeah, or... it's all about power metal. Yeah, all, all power metal. metal today. So, Jim, here's the mic. Tell us all about it. Thanks very much. So, yeah, these are these are 10 songs that um, either I've listened to a lot in the past and they still sort of make my regular rotation or um, I've only discovered recently. So... I don't know enough about power metal. Like I said, I'm just a fan um, to do a, these are the top 10 best power metal songs of all time. Cause I don't have that kind of authority. <laughs> I'm not Rolling Stone. <laughs> That's all right. <laughs> we, we always make big claims like that. Yeah. You have to. 
So starting from number 10, mm-hmm. we're going with the song Metal Is Forever by the band Primal Fear off of their Devil's Ground album from 2004. I mean, it's, it's all in the title. Um, if someone wanted to summarise Power Metal, this is it. It's got lyrics that are like Rob Halford um, and the lyrics are just about enjoying metal and the instrumentation is all of those elements that we discussed earlier, you know, the dueling guitars, the driving drums, the high lyrics, um, and that's that's just it. So number 10, metal is forever. Mm, good start. Yep. Great. Josh loves it. We stuck around watching that band at Vakken back in 06 just for that song. Couldn't care less about the rest of their back catalogue. Mm-hmm. Just wanted that song. So One and done. Good. Awesome. One and done, exactly. Number nine, we've got Blood of Heroes um, by the band Tear, spelt T-Y-R, so a Norse-type band, Mm -hmm. off of their album Valkyria for 2013. They're not a band that is specifically power metal, but this is a really sort of power metal song. It's about warriors seeking their destiny by dying in combat, you know, ascending to Valhalla and all that. So it's just that it fits that epic yep. kind of thing. And it's, yeah, it's short and sharp and cool. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, number eight, like I said before, we got Stradivarius. So the song Hunting High and Low from the Infinite album, 99, from 999. So, yeah, like I said, really recently got into that song and, yeah, I feel like a Stradivarius binge coming on. Oh, <laughs> watch out. The first of two songs from this band. I'm sorry I had to repeat because I obsess. Double. Yep. So this one is Resist and Bite by Sabaton from their Heroes record, Mm -hmm. 2014. I think this the actual story of this song captured me first and foremost. It's about a company of Belgian soldiers in the Second World War who held the Nazis off. They were basically told by their commanders to hold this area of forest from the Nazis that were invading. Mm-hmm. Um, and they were left alone, abandoned with their guns and ammo. That was it. Um, story goes that they fought until they ran out of ammo and surrendered um, and that the Germans didn't believe that there was only 40 of these blokes fighting. That's mm-hmm. how, you know, that's how much hell they gave the, the German soldiers. Yeah. So... Yeah, it's I, – I can't really break it that well, break it down that well mm-hmm. um, but from that, a music perspective, but it, it's just power metal. Yeah. And Sabaton's lyrics, they base all of them on true stories, don't they? And they yeah. might embellish them a bit, I guess, for, for it's, the story, but most of them are based in true stories, aren't they? Yeah, it's it's usually around um, historical fact yep. um, or historical – like legend. Urban legend, yeah. I guess. You know, yeah. there might be some truth to it, but it might, like you say, yeah. be embellished. Yeah. So, yeah, cool song, Resist and Bite. The next one we come to Blind Guardian mm-hmm. from the album Somewhere Far Beyond from 1992. The song Somewhere Far Beyond, so the title track. This is an old school power metal song. This has just got those dueling guitars, the rumbling bass. Um, it's actually one of the more bassy power metal songs uh, I've heard. Like you can you get this real distinct bass line. Yeah. 
yeah. um, underneath it, which is which is really cool. Kind of different for their their general mixing. Like you don't hear it. Yeah. Even in their mixing, very often. Hansi, the singer, uh, it really demonstrates his vocal gymnastics song. Highs and lows, um, like a conversational lyrical style as well as that really melodic singing. <clears throat> really fast. And then in the later third of the song, it has bagpipes. Hey. Um, and a real like sing-along anthem type thing yeah. uh, that goes along with it. So. Yeah, it's just a, a cool song to to listen to and really cool live. Yeah. Yeah, really fun. Coming in at number five, we've got The Haunting um, in brackets Somewhere in Time by Camelot from the Black Halo album of 2005. This is like um, this is like a blend of American power metal with the Euro operatic symphonic metal style coming in Mm -hmm. um so the symphonic or the the operatic vocal uh vocals are delivered by simone simons who is the lead singer of epica oh yeah they're a symphonic metal band who loved camelot so much that they named their band after the camelot album epica yeah yeah (laughs) yeah so (laughs) it's a fun fact yeah um but yeah, this is this is just kind of something a little bit different than your traditional power metal. So, and it's probably one of their most popular songs, I'd say. Yep. But it's yeah, I really really dig it. Um, Simone actually features on a lot of their other songs and sings with them live sometimes as well. So, yeah, pretty cool. Number four, through the fire and the flames. <laughs> This by Dragon Force from Inhuman Rampage 2006. This song mainstreamed power metal a bit. It brought, it brought it back into the spotlight for a while, didn't it? It certainly did. It certainly did. <clears throat> it has it all, but it's on crack. Like <laughs> it's, it's, it's got the finesse, technicality, speed, yep. and so much cheese. Yeah, it does. You know, it's like your triple cheese toasty. Oh, yeah. <laughs> amazing solos, amazing keys, just really good crafting of, of a song. Um, and it's it's kind of iconic now. Yeah, it is. It's a bit of a classic now. If you hate it, you're wrong, basically. <laughs> sure. <laughs> that's what that's the kind of claims we, we like <laughs> we like to make on this show. Number three. This is like the most, or one of their more power medley songs of Iron Maiden. So I went with Power Slave. This was the song from my first album that I kept um, that I really, really got into. So while everyone was like, you know, my mates that were into Iron Maiden, they were, they were rocking Aces High and Two Minutes to Midnight. I was like, nah, man, Power Slave, banger. <laughs> We don't. We weren't calling songs bangers back then, but you know what I mean. For the, for the kids, yeah, yeah. For all you, for all you young kids out there, it was a bop. <laughs> um, this was yeah. This was my gateway drug. This song. Yep. So from a arguably not a power metal album, this was like what I would consider the the power metal song. Yep. And that set me down this path. So blame Iron Maiden and. Their song Power Slave. 
for for me being who I am now. <laughs> Thanks, Bruce. <laughs> you know, it's 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 that history. It's about the gods of Egypt back in the day. Blah blah blah. Get into that. Um, moving on to number two, we got Stormtroopers by Sabaton. <laughs> Second Sabaton song of this list. Mm. Um, yep, this is about the elite soldiers deployed in World War One to break stalemates. Um, inevitably formed in the trench warfare. So, <laughs> again, it's just another one of those songs you have fun with, you sing along. It's got everything a power metal song needs. And number one, we're back to Blind Guardian because I don't like Halloween that much. <laughs> <laughs> um, with Mirror Mirror. Mirror Mirror. It's from the Nightfall in Middle Earth album from 1998. There you go for that's that's your that's your nerdery coming out there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know they love to they love to tell a story, Blind Guardian, um, as we discussed earlier. So this is just one of those songs that usually is one of the encore songs or, or close out the main set song. Um, huge sing along song. Um, it's just just awesome, and I remember seeing it in. 2014, I went to Melbourne for their show. Um, this was like, I can't remember what venue it was because it's changed names like 17,000 times. Um, <laughs> but it was about 1,000 people, I'd say. Yeah. And everyone knew this song. Everyone was singing, you know, pretty much everyone, arms over the shoulders of each other's stranger or, or friend. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was like everyone coming together to have fun with power metal. So that's what it's all about. And that's yeah. why it gets my number one pick. Nice. Nice. I must mention that um, we'll throw all them into a playlist and put them in the show notes. And then uh, people can check it out. I will say, though, that Halloween did get an honorable mention mm-hmm. with Dr. Torture. Oh, no, wrong song. It's Mrs. God. <laughs> Mrs. God can also make the playlist. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> you and, like because you like fourteen seconds of the song. Yeah, I mean the chorus is catchy. This is God, can't you see? Yeah, yeah, but yes, no. Uh, you got to throw some gamma ray in uh, honorable mentions. Last before the storm mm-hmm. track. Um, two bands that I have listened to a lot that aren't really power metal, but I think people should check out Branches of Blood, primarily the first album. Mm. Josh is going to say destroy the orcs, but I'm going to say Swordmaster. <laughs> and of course, uh, Winter Sun, check out Sons of Winter and Stars for your epic, symphonic, powerish, metalish, but not really power metal. Cool. 13 minute opus. <laughs> Lovely. Thank cool. you for that. Now, do you have, just quickly before we get into the last little bit of the show, do you have a favorite? power metal act that you've seen live? Iron Maiden was one of the best shows I've ever seen. But as we discussed, they're not really power metal. So I would say like the experience of watching Blind Guardian was incredible. Mm. Especially yeah. in like a thousand cap room. Like it, it's yeah. big, but it's still intimate. It's like a thebby, I guess, in a way. Yeah, it was like a half thebby. Yeah. Yeah. And I would say that 
because it wasn't at a festival, everyone was there because yeah. they wanted to be there. They weren't just yeah, watching yeah. that band because they were waiting for the band, the band on the next stage. Yeah. So, yeah, everyone was there to enjoy power metal and that yeah. that just lifted the whole crowd. But, I mean, Sabaton was great as well. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you were, you you quite liked Sabaton at um, Good Things. Yeah, there was. I was standing next to a guy at Sabaton who knew every word to every song and he belted it out for the entire set. Go in. Thankfully, the sound was good enough for that show that I didn't have to hear him. Yeah, yeah, because that was on the Deftone stage as well, which we yeah. spoke about how bad Deftone sounded. Mm, I got very lucky. Mm. No, lucky you. <laughs> yeah. Our same stage is, uh, uh, was it? Tism. Tism and Ginger. Is it Ginger? Is that how you pronounce yeah, it? Yeah, Ginger were on there as well. Yeah. They yeah. Sounded, Ginger sounded great. Yeah, they all sounded good, except Deftones. Tism were Tism, so they can only kind of sound as good as Tism can sound. <laughs> as good as they can play. Yeah. So not well. Anyway, um, right. To finish off the the show, uh, have a very quick little game to play. Now, there is a TikTok artist who we enjoy some of his videos, Mr. Tim McGovern. He does good band name, bad band name. Yeah. And if you don't like it, I don't give a toot is what he says. I don't give a toot. But to be honest, because this is me, uh, if you don't like our opinion, I don't give a fuck. So (laughs) so I've just collected, I think I've got eight or nine band names. Yeah. Going to give it to you. You're going to determine whether it's a good power metal name or a bad power metal name. Okay. All right. I don't know. We'll start with this. Metal Church. Bad. Am I playing? Yeah, of course. Yeah, I'm going to say bad. It's unimaginative. Yeah, it's a bit bland. It's a bit nothing interesting in it. Just a church made out of metal. <laughs> Moonlight Agony. Good. Good power metal band. I'd say good as well. For some reason, I'm just thinking of like wolves and things happening in the night, which I guess fits the themes. Good band name. Good. Yep. Glory Hammer. <laughs> good, but only because I know what Glory Hammer's about. <laughs> Simon Oh um Glory Hammer bad band name Yeah I don't like it I it, it just anytime you put glory and it, it as like the first prefaces of a word that starts with h yep, it just It's glory hole Yeah <laughs> It's glory hole or nothing That's the point gentlemen Glory, glory Hammer Glory Hammer I almost they're basically seen as a a um what's the word Satire of power metal. Yeah, I mean. So that, you know. Still bad, bad name. Wrong. <laughs> I mean, looking at the brief summary of, because I went through and grabbed a bunch of these different bands from a list. Uh, brief summary of Glory Hammer. Presents themselves as a tongue-in-cheek parody of stereotypical power metal bands as well as appearing on stage in armour and costumes. So they could be. So they are a power metal band. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> But they have a glory hole name. Mm. So it's a bad band name. That's why. 
That's why I said it's good. But it also is bad because if you don't know that about them, then you're like, well, that's a dumb name. <laughs> dumb so name. that's inconclusive. <laughs> okay. Now I will have to specify how this is uh, written down. Nightmare World, but the M in Nightmare is capitalized as well. Bad band name. That's bad. That's bad. Nightmare World. It sounds like a terrible ROM hack from a Super Mario game. Sounds like a cheesy. It's like Power Metal for Bronies. Power Metal for Bronies. Bad band name. (laughs) Yeah, I mean. Is it worse? Can I say worse than bad? Is there a worse than bad? I don't don't give a fuck. Bad. Bad. Uh. Kane's offering, and Kane is spelt C A I N S. Good band name. Yeah, I like it. Good band name because it's the traditional biblical spelling, and if you know yeah. the story of Cain and Abel, yeah, it makes sense. Yeah, good band mm. name. I liked it. All right, this one I'm not so sure how we'll go. Power glove. Bad <laughs> <laughs> band name. You don't like it? Bad, what are you going to do with that power glove? I think it. I think it's a bad band name for power metal, but it's a good band name for disco. So, power power glove is one of the more prominent Nintendo core bands. Power glove covers classical video game tracks in an epic technical power metal style. <laughs> to me, fucking great band name. <laughs> fucking great band concept. You're true. Terrible name. Yeah, yeah I, think, I think it's a bad band name for power metal. I'd stick by that. If it was a disco band, I'd like it more. I mean, if you're someone who doesn't really understand how to read properly, it's Power G Love. <laughs> Good band name. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, what do we got? Two more. Uh, Doom Sword. All one word. It's a good fucking band. cool name. Good good band name. Good band name. Or is it Doom's Word? Either way. Good. Yeah, yeah I'm happy to hear that. Yeah. Okay. Doom is the word. Doom is the word. Is the, the word. word is the word. <laughs> it's got cool. It's got meaning. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and last one, because we had to. Blind Guardian. Good power metal name or bad power metal name. Good band name. <laughs> I'm just, no. <laughs> I don't like you, it. You don't like it? No, Why not? I don't, I don't. I don't like it. Why? Why? Blind Guardian. That, that's fucking, that's not helpful. <laughs> <laughs> Bad band name. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it doesn't seem like the most helpful person out of the world. Sorry? It doesn't seem like the most helpful person. No. You know, somebody's just, oh no, this person needs some help. Mm. Got to navigate this torrential. Downpour. How are we going to get help us? Oh, I'm obviously not, this blind person. Yeah. Fuck yeah. I'm not. I'm not taking power metal into consideration. While I'm, I'm just <laughs> bad band name. It's a good band name. <laughs> <laughs> You're all wrong. Um, <laughs> can we? Can we do Halloween? Yeah. I mean, okay. Fair call. What do you reckon? Bad. Simon. Halloween. Yeah. It's no. Just call yourself Halloween. But it's about hell. It's H-E double hockey sticks. Yeah, I know, I know. But just call yourself Halloween. Yeah, but like they don't, 
you know when you you got hell in a name, you kind of think of like the Doom soundtrack. You know. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. You mean heavy Doom and mathy and you know, like it's brutal. They're not brutal. They're singing at the top of their lungs, at the top of their range. Like it's yeah. it's it's not hellish at all. It has no balls behind it. And they're not really like spooky either. So the the band name means Nothing apart from the fact that maybe they like eating pumpkins. Like I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, yeah, I mean, it's you're right. There should have just been Halloween, but I'm sure there could have been like a copyright infringement involved in that. I mean, you got to think of when they they started as well. Or the seventies Halloween. Yeah, that would have been like ah, yeah, I get it. And it didn't take much to be considered hellish back then. Yeah, true. True. Yeah. Still, bad band name. Gamma Ray? I think that's a good band name. Gamma Ray. Good. Good band name. So, you know, it's a bit sci fi. Yeah, I'm yeah. I'm thinking more prog. Like to me it sounds like a prog. If it was band. a prog band, a prog band, you'd be like, fuck it. Right. So that was our overview and our outsider's view of power metal. I think that uh, went work quite well. I feel enlightened. I kind of understand the passion behind it now. Yeah. Uh, from speaking to an actual fan, someone who actually likes it. Instead um, of just teasing him, we actually asked him questions. Yeah, you know, we can do that. We can be nice occasionally. We don't like to. We but can we, be adults. Yeah, occasionally. When we're t- not talking about some of the stuff that we did in the most recent episode. I told, I told Meg, don't. She, so Meg's become our, our biggest hype person. She's now telling anyone who... Stops and talks to her, and somehow I come up in the conversation. She's like, "Oh, he does a music podcast." Yeah. And so she was talking to somebody at her work, and I was like, "Just don't get him to listen to the newest episode straight away, because at the time of this recording, the newest episode that's come out is the worst song scenario." Yeah. And I'm like, "We have stuff that we're a little smidgen more serious. That one was a very off the rails episode. It was. It was. It was a good episode." Yeah, Jim started to listen to our, uh, our podcast for the first time, so it was great. <laughs> we doubled our listeners. I, I still think that a live reaction stream would be brilliant. You should do a podcast of me reacting to a podcast. <laughs> the inception of it all is fantastic. It is. Yeah. Mm. Brilliant. Better power metal band will hear about this and fucking write an album about it. Good concept. <laughs> we could be... Someone's concept for their concept album. We have fucking made it. Okay. Question. Would no, because they just still they they're all still copyrighted stuff. Yeah, I want to make money. So Ultra <laughs> of Noise. Good band name or bad band name? Fucking amazing. Great. Would it make a good power metal band name? No. No. Agreed. It wouldn't. It'd make a good like Deathcore. Yeah. Yeah. Drone death. Yeah, drone. Like a band like Sun. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, you got it. <laughs> I don't like Sun. You joined the band. <laughs> You're I in the band. I don't like Sun. Come on. That's okay. fucking great. <laughs> oh, fuck off my podcast. <laughs> <laughs> and on that note, <laughs> we would like to thank Jim very, very much for thank his, you, Jim. his time and contribution. Yeah. He has been. A valuable asset to this uh, show. We couldn't have done it without him because we would have talked about fuck all. 
Thanks for having me. Can we do a subject next time where you don't take the piss out of me? We didn't. We didn't actually. We were. <laughs> well, I mean, well, in the show, but in the lead. <laughs> oh yeah, no, yeah, that's yeah, not yeah. happening. <laughs> yeah. What I happens mean, off air stays off air. Yeah, and also to be fair, we didn't even talk about uh, McLaren in the F1. So how's that going there for you, Jim? Bad band name. Let's not get into it. Uh, so as always, let us know what you think about Power Metal. I'm sure Danny's going to tell us all about it. Um, so let us know what you think at contacting us at facebook.com slash altar of noise. You can check out Simon's band at facebook.com slash the unset. And you can check me out streaming at twitch.tv slash mad dog So again, thank you very much to our guest, Jim. Thank Any, you, Jim. Thank you, Robbie von Blitzkrieg. Uh, <laughs> good night. Um, So thank you very much, everyone, for listening. We appreciate you all. Uh, Stay safe and we'll see you all in the next episode. Bye.